What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. This is a new statistics episode um, for Doctor Strange. And uh, we'll see what else I end up talking about after that is done. Uh, If you have already listened to the review episode for Doctor Strange, you will remember that I gave it a 76 out of 100, which puts it between Captain America Civil War 79 and uh, Captain America the First Avenger at 74. Let me just double check that really quick. Yes, the First Avenger. Great. Uh, As far as 2016 goes, it puts it on par with The Birth of a Nation, and uh, Hush, um, which both uh, kind of hit the same kind of mark that Doctor Strange does. They both do some of th- the th- their things exceedingly well, and also, but then also falter in uh, various aspects of their films. And so this isn't another review episode. I'm not going to go into all that again. If you want to hear that, go back to the previous episode if you haven't done that already. Um, But today it is all about Doctor Strange and how it affects the spreadsheet. So um, I saw it on November 4th uh, last night, 115 minutes approximately. Um, It's always hard for me to tell engage when I'm at a movie theater. I don't... I, I wish I, I was practiced in always checking the time as soon as the movie starts and as soon as it ends, but I am not, and uh, I don't have a running time clock like I do on my computer. So, uh, yeah, so uh, it's got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes right now with 215 review, or 219 reviews counted. I don't expect that to change any more than 1% either way, if it does at all. And so that puts me 14 points below uh, uh, Doctor Strange, which is kind of par for the course. Uh, Captain America, I believe, also still has a 90%, uh, which would put me... Yes, it does. So my 79 for that puts me 11 points below it. Um, And I think that's... I don't find any fault in that. The Metacritic score is 72 for Doctor Strange. uh, So I'm actually a couple points above the Metacritic score. The average score, the average rating by the reviewers from Rotten Tomatoes is a 7.3. And uh, the audience score is a 91% or an average of 4.3, which would translate to an 86 on my scale. So everyone's kind of hovering in the 70, mid-70, low 70s to about 90 range on this movie. And I think that's a fair range. I definitely think it's on the lower end of that range, but 
I don't begrudge people going a little above that. So, uh, brief summary. Um, a skilled doctor, I guess uh, doctor, I guess doctor, surgeon. A skilled doctor um, loses the ability to operate after getting in a car accident. Dot, 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 then magic. A skilled doctor loses the ability to operate after getting in a car accident, then magic. Which, compared to the uh, IMDb <laughs> brief summary, a former neurosurgeon embarks on a journey of healing only to be drawn into the world of the mystic arts. I'd say that's fair. Um, so it, it ends up currently as the 8th overall best MCU film out of 20. Uh, I have 20 on my list because I'm including all of the short films like The Consultant, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer, Item 47, Team Thor, um, Agent Carter, uh, so All Hail the King, you know, so I include all, all the smaller films in this regard. And I will just run down my MCU order. Uh, number one, Iron Man. Number two, The Winter Soldier. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, The First Avengers. Number five, Ant-Man. Number six, Age of Ultron. Number seven, Civil War. Number eight, Doctor Strange. What is happening? Uh, number nine, The First Avenger, Captain America. Number 10, Team Thor. Number 11, Iron Man 3. Number 12, All Hail the King. Number 13, Agent Carter. 14th is the first Thor movie. 15th is Thor the Dark World. 16th is Iron Man 2, which is the... Oh, no, it's not. Uh, 17th is Item 47. 18th is the lowest feature film in The Incredible Hulk. 19 is A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer. And 20th is The Consultant, which is the only thing that I've rated lower than a 60, so a not... Not a so the only film that is does not get a positive rating uh, from the Marvel film films. All right, so director Scott Derrickson, who I know I've seen before, he is. I saw him his film The Exorcism of Emily Rose actually very recently. I gave it a fifty-four. Um, so this movie will bump him up quite a bit about 300 spots which is not too shabby puts him in the puts him at 831st in the director's chart awesome uh, he's the only director so writers let's see it's always tough for comic book movies um, you know because you've got Stan Lee has to get a credit for this. Um, the particular film was written by Derrickson himself, C. Robert Cargill, John Spates, I presume, um, based on the Marvel comics by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Uh, do I have Ditko in here already? I don't. But I do have. I don't have Stan Lee in here either. Hmm. I wonder if I'm not, let me see. We'll go back to Civil War. 
Did I give Mark Miller? I did. So I did. Wait. I, I didn't. That's interesting. Because Mark Miller should definitely get credit as a writer on Civil War. Let me just adjust that really quick. Um, so generally, I, I don't award character creation credits as writing credits. And so for that reason, it would pr uh, eliminate Stanley and Steve Ditko for that. But it's this, the film is based specifically on a comic book written by Stan Lee. And for that, you know, it's a completely separate line in the writing credits on IMDb. So I would give him that credit. I'm going to do. I must not have any. Um, it's like, well, like who does who gets Guardians of the Galaxy credits? Just James Gunn, James Gunn, Andy Landing, Andy Landing, Dan Abnett, Nicole Perlman, who also gets Thor credits. I think this will be, yeah, I think this is the first Stan Lee credit. So, 76. And uh, I don't have, I, you know, I don't have every single film um, applied to this as, this part of the spreadsheet. Directors and writers alike, I both, they're both glaring holes in uh, those pages. So, you know, I could certainly be missing a couple of the Marvel films on here that Stanley would be getting credit for. Uh, but this is the first one that I do have him down for. Let's see, John Spates, if I can spell it right. S-P-A-I-H-T. This is his first entry. Um, Derrickson, also for the writing of Ex Exorcism of Evelyn Rose. Strange. Awesome. This will separate him from his Exorcism and the Rose co-writer, uh, Paul Harris Boardman. And then Robert Cargill. This is also his first time. So three new names being added to the writer list. Um, numbers 27, 2768, 2769, and 2770. In Stanley, John Spates, and C. Robert Cargill. All kind of jumping into this list at 1,321st overall. Awesome. As far as actors, here we go. Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Stephen Strange. Um, currently rated 404th through 21 movies. Uh, this will move him up just a bit. Let's see. He has another film already rated 76. That would be. Uh, oh, this should be in. That would be uh, The Hobbit, the first Hobbit movie. Unexpected. Which can't possibly have a higher Rotten Tomatoes score. No. So this trumps The Hobbit based on Rotten Tomatoes score. Slots in between The Hobbit and The Imitation Game. Perfect. 
and we'll actually move him up to 327. So a very sh brief career for Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's already made out quite well, all things considered. Uh, Edgy of Four, Chihuahua Edgy of Four. This is his 11th movie. He was previously 638th overall. This movie bumps him up to 522nd. Another, another actor with a very strong resume, particularly with 12 Years a Slave. Um, his role in uh, Children of Men, Inside Man, The Martian. Um, other, other than other than Twelve Years a Slave, most of his roles have been secondary or even tertiary roles. But his role in Twelve Years a Slave and nomination, you know, he he totally deserved that completely. Let's see, Rachel McAdams, one thousand twenty fourth. So we're continuing, continuing to kind of drop down the list here as we go, and this will be. The state of play is also given a seventy six, but has a lower Rotten Tomato score, so it gets trumped. So this falls between state of play and Red Eye. Uh, I love Red Eye. I think, I think that's probably my favorite film of hers as far as acting goes. Mm, Red Eye and Mean Girls are very close, very tough to determine. I want to say Red Eye, but I think that might just be my Cillian Murphy bias. But Doctor Strange does move her up to 866th. Then we have Benedict Wong, even a little further down the list at 1,371st. Um, this will help him a little bit, moves him up to 1,165th. Uh, he was also in The Martian, actually. I, it's it's tough to remember a lot about The Martian that doesn't just involve Matt Damon. Um, the only other roles I really remember from The Martian are uh, Donald Glover, Mads Mikkelsen as Caecilius. Again, we keep falling down the list, 1,682nd. Uh, I believe Tilda Swinton will jump us back up toward the top, though, once we get to her. And this falls between Casino Royale and Valhalla Rising as his third best film that he's been a part of, that I've seen anyway. Um, the Hunt being number one, Casino Royale being number two, Doctor Strange at three. Moves him up about 250 spots. Tilda Swinton, who is currently 39th overall so this is i believe the highest rated person i've affected uh on one of these episodes and she will move up from this film let's see yes she moves from 39th to 32nd so she jumps up seven spots um leap, leaping to just above katherine keener and just behind Woody Harrelson, which is awesome. And this ends up as her 11th best movie overall, which is pretty far down the list, actually. It doesn't even make her top 10. It falls right above Drainwreck, 
<clears throat> and right behind the Chronicles of Narnia, the first movie. Michael Stolberg. Yes, he is on the list at 466th. This is his fifth movie. And is on par with Hugo. That's a close call. I do believe... Yeah, it falls actually behind Hugo. Hugo did get better Rotten Tomatoes score. Doctor... He played, uh, oh, uh, the, the, the other, the second doctor, the, the, the one that doesn't get magical powers. <laughs> um, then you've got Benjamin Bratt, who is somewhere in the middle of the spreadsheet. This will help him a little bit, um, and ends up between two animated features that he's been a part of. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1 and Despicable Me 2. Of course, he is live action in this movie. Uh, who else do we have? That's There aren't a lot of, you know, n big name, smaller characters in this. Uh, Scott Adkins? No, I don't have him yet. No, 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 no. Uh, Landecker, nope. Pat Kiernan as himself. Um, Stanley uncredited. I don't have Stanley. Do I? I might actually. Now that I think about it, I feel I feel like I don't have him on the list though. Reggie Lee, James Fleet, Bruce Lee. Christopher Lee, John Cleese, Jason Lee, Nathan Supley, Abby Lee. Nope, he would be much higher than this. Um, so that kind of just leaves the end credits roles, uh, which, spoiler warning, if you have not yet seen the movie, uh, I will be revealing who was in at least one of the end credit scenes. And you've been warned. Uh, so Chris Hemsworth as Thor does make an appearance and I do love the end credit scenes from Marvel movies for this exact reason because it allows me to add more value to my spreadsheet because as far as I'm concerned all of the end credit scenes are part of that movie and therefore even the people in those get credit. So we've got Thor making an appearance in my favorite scene of the movie by far. Um, I just thought I just thought the interaction between the two was perfect. You know, the refilling uh, beer glass was great. Thor has a completely clueless reaction to it, and I loved it. And it's nice to have you know between that end credit scene and Team Thor, it's been a good. It's been good to see that uh, you know because Thor has been outside of the MCU for a f quite a few movies now uh, since. Age of Ultron, really, you know, because he didn't have an appearance in Civil War. But that really does get me excited for Ragnarok, um, Taika Waititi. So sweet. That is all the actors that I already have and that I think I'm going to add to it. Let me just double check a couple of other names here. Um, nope. 
maybe Scott Adkins. I've got him in six movies already. It's your Dark 30, Born Ultimatum, X-Men Origins Wolverine, Pink Panther, Expendables 2. Um, he was in the Brothers Grimsby, which I haven't seen. Uh, he's been in a couple of Jackie Chan movies. A lot of... Uh, what was his role in this movie? Scott Adkins. He was Lucian slash Strong Zealot. That does not really count as anything. So... Um, no, I'm going to hold off on him for now, but we'll see if it comes, it, we'll see if it comes back around. It might, he might. Um, anyway, uh, so actor's done. Just resort this really quickly. Great. Awesome. Genre. <clears throat> Doctor Strange. 76 from 2016. It is... According to IMDb, an action-adventure-fantasy-sci-fi. Mm, I have quibbles with sci-fi. I don't know exactly how it counts as science fiction. Fantasy, yes. It's magic. I don't know what science fiction happens in this movie, though. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I can't... I don't think I can... Uh, concede science fiction at this point action adventure fantasy definitely <clears throat> um, you know that goes without saying it's not a comedy uh, it's not a mystery or romance short sport thriller western disney pixar nope uh, the Bechdel test there's Tilda Swinton and Rachel McAdams they never talk to each other but they are both named and so that gives it a 1. It's a PG-13 movie that is currently not on the IMDb 250. It has an average rating of an 8, which is very close to that number. So there's a chance it breaks in if more reviewers come in a little higher. But for now, it stays on the outside. Doctor Strange does not have any Oscars or nominations as of yet. Certainly could end up with some. I do think... It makes a very strong case for visual effects and would be very disappointed to see it not get that as of right now. Um, but I, I haven't really done enough thought on Oscar nominations currently. Um, I may, or I will probably release a, an episode or, um, closer to the day, a couple days probably before the nominations are announced just give my th kind of thoughts on it, and then another one afterwards, just like react to them, see what I think my early coma picks to, to win, as it were. So, then we've got Best Pictures, does not make that list, or any of the top, 200, top 100, wasn't on my to watch list because it just came out, doesn't make either of Zach or James' lists yet for reasons. So that's Doctor Strange. Um, that was, excuse me, the, I believe, two, 109th film that I've seen that was been released in 2016. 
the 945th film that I've seen this year. Give or take. Mm, I'm trying to think if there were any duplicates. There may have been. Yeah. Um, the 31st action film, the 33rd adventure film, and the 21st fantasy film, uh, respectively. And as a one, it contributes to part of the 35% of movies that have come out this year that have only gotten a one on the Bechdel test. It's the 43rd film this year, rated PG-13. And, uh, yeah, that's where we're at with Doctor Strange. Exciting stuff. Really, I don't know. Exciting stuff. Sure. Awesome. So, uh, transitioning now into the other aspect of today's episode, the second topic... Uh, I believe we're going to look at directors today. So, you know, Scott Derrickson as the director of Doctor Strange, you know, definitely pretty far down the list overall. So I'm just going to run down my top 20 from 20 to number one, and then we're going to kind of break down some of the top 10 a little more closely. And we might step outside the top 10 a little bit. We'll see. So... Uh, number 20, David Lean, director of films like Lawrence of Arabia, Bridge on the River Kwai, both of which he was nominated and won Best Director for. Clint Eastwood at 19, uh, Mystic River, Letters to Iwo Jima, Letters from Iwo Jima, Unforgiven, um, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, 18th, the only female to make the top 20 currently is Nicole Holofcener. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Director of Enough Said, Lovely and Amazing, Please Give, and Walking and Talking. Number 17, uh, Alejandro Inaritu, uh, The Revenant and Birdman, the last two Best Picture winners. Uh, he was also nominated for uh, Babel. Number 16, Ilya Kazan, who won for On the Waterfront, was nominated for A Streetcar Named Desire in East of Eden, and also won for Gentleman's Agreement. Roman Polanski, who won for The Pianist, was nominated for Chinatown. James Cameron, who won for Titanic, was nominated for Avatar. Uh, Wes Anderson was finally nominated for Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, he's at 13. Number 12, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, who has never been nominated um, and has only directed animated films as of right now. Number 11, William Wyler, who has been nominated five times as far as I'm as far as the movies I've seen goes. He's won for Ben Hur and Mrs. Miniver. Uh, and then the Coen brothers take up spot take up a tie for spot number nine and were both nominated for No Country for Old Men, um, True Grit, and Fargo, winning for No Country for Old Men. Number eight, Quentin Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, which he was nominated for, Django Unchained, and Glorious Bastards, which he was nominated for. Number seven, Alfred Hitchcock, nominated for Rebecca, Rear Window, and Psycho. Number six, Tim Burton, who has not been nominated. 
number five, Steven Soderbergh, who was nominated and won for Traffic. He was also nominated for Aaron Brockovich. Number four, Richard Linklater, who was nominated for Boyhood, finally. Number three, Christopher Nolan, who has not been nominated. And then the top two have currently, as of the movies I've seen, been nominated seven times each. Uh, number two is Martin Scorsese, who, out of his seven nominations, finally won for The Departed. And then number one overall, with seven nominations, and as of, as of right now, two wins, is Steven Spielberg, with his wins coming from Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. Uh, so, um, Spielberg is uh, the most prolific director that I've seen. I've seen 22 of his movies. The best being Jurassic Park. The worst being Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't feel I'm very far off the general consensus on that one. And, uh, you know, it's tough to overtake him with so many, with so much awards love, so many Academy members that really enjoy his work. And, you know, he is, even though some of his more recent, but, you know, some of more recent films, uh, the BFG have not done well, but other of his more recent films, Bridge of Spies, have done quite well. So, you know, he's still been able to really put out strong movies, even this late in his career, which is incredibly impressive. Um, and so, um, but as far, but you know, like most of the f directors on here that have been nominated and are nominated quite often, you know, the top movies that he's made are not the ones that he's been nominated for, in my opinion. So, you know, Jurassic Park and Catch Me If You Can are my top two Spielberg movies, and neither of them he was, was he nominated for Best Director. You have to get to my third favorite, which is Saving Private Ryan, before you find that one. Um, same thing for Scorsese, Taxi Driver, Color of Money, and Wolf of Wall Street. None of those were nominated until you get to number four, excuse me, The Departed. Um, and so I've seen 15 Scorsese films as of right now. None of them have gotten less than a 53. So, you know, he's in a large body of work and they're all very highly rated by me. Uh, only one of them, which is Taxi Driver, makes my top 100 of all time. And then going back to Spielberg, uh, only Jurassic Park makes my top 100 of all time. Uh, Spielberg has two films rated below a 50, um, with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull getting a 21 and The Color Purple getting a 47. Uh, in third, with Christopher Nolan, who's had 10 films so far, including Doodlebug and Following, which were his original short film, and then his first feature, which, um, you know, Definitely, I think, pale in comparison to much of his later work. But uh, even Doodlebug gets just a 56. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he has not made a bad movie yet. Um, he's also not been nominated, which is what really keeps him from uh, contending with Spielberg specifically. He's only about a point and a half behind Scorsese as of right now. 
and you know a large largely in part because uh, the dark knight i gave it 100 like the entire dark knight trilogy i think is superb and the only person to match nolan on having six movies that i've rated between 90 and 99 is linklater who also has six and linklater six are a little bit higher rated on average than nolan's six when he's got boyhood before sunset sunrise and before midnight um the school of rock and tape which are all in the 90s for me uh, so, but Linklater does have a negative film, and that's Bad News Bears, the uh, newer version of it, which I, I ended up giving a 35. And, you know, not that Billy Bob Thornton isn't funny, and the premise, he fits definitely, you know, he's well cast in that movie, but it's just very, um, I don't know, it's not, I believe, I haven't seen the original, I think Burt Reynolds is in the original, and there's just something about the movie it's it's very it doesn't have any of Linklater's charm it doesn't have any of his uh strong it doesn't have as much of his strong dialogue his strong character moments you know it kind of gets caught up in being a movie a different kind of movie than almost than literally every other movie that Linklater has made before um and so that's kind of what hurts it for me uh Soderbergh's 17 movies you know quite a lot um he does have a bad movie in uh haywire which i've given i only gave a 47 so again i mean bad but you know definitely doesn't ever kind of reach the bottom of the barrel for sure uh you've got tim burton who has the second highest movie value overall with a 42 uh again and that's basically each film is assigned a value, so a movie rated in the 90s is worth 4 points, 80s, 3 points, 70s, 2 points. And uh, Burton, you know, I've seen 19 of his films, and all but one of them have been above uh, above 60, with the one bad one being Dark Shadows, which was real bad. Not awful, but real bad. And... So, you know, Burton's got a 42. You look at Spielberg, who has a 44, with three films more than Burton. Uh, and so that's that's where he's at, as far as that's concerned. Um, who else do we have? So we got Hitchcock, you know, finally moving into an older director. You know, I've seen 13 Hitchcock movies. The only one that doesn't get a positive rating is Suspicion, which has a 52. So, you know, again, managing to stay above the negative line. Uh, he's only four hundredths of a point behind Burton. So, you know, and there's still a huge catalog of Hitchcock films that I haven't seen yet. Uh, Tarantino, the only person in the top ten who doesn't have ten films. Um, he's accredited with nine, if you... You know, it, you know, Kill Bills 1 and 2, as well as Death Proof, um, and then all of the features that he's done other than those. And the lowest rated one is Death Proof with a 65, so, you know, his films definitely weigh heavily on the upper scale. You know, he's got five films rated in the 90s, and uh, but none of them break into the 
my top 100, uh, which the same can be said for Burton. None of his directed films break into my top 100. Hitchcock has one with Vertigo. Um, I totally forgot to keep doing this. Uh, Soderbergh has one with And Everything is Going Fine, which is actually a documentary that he made on Spalding Gray, a person I knew nothing about prior to watching the documentary and came away with, I just, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. You know, I give it a 98 and I think it's, his, I think it's the best movie he's been a part of. I wouldn't say it's his best directed movie. Um, I'm not sure what I would call that going on might be Ocean's Eleven. I'm not sure. Uh, and then uh, Nolan's got two films in the top 100. Memento and The Dark Knight. But Linklater is heads and shoulders above everyone else. He's got four. Boyhood, Before Sunset, Before Sunrise, and Before Midnight. They're all in my top 100. And I think they're all perfectly warranted and deserving. Uh, and then the, la- the bottom of the top 10 are the Coen Brothers ranked ninth and ninth because they've always directed together and they have a couple of bad ones and i've heard a lot of praise for hail caesar from earlier this year and i hated that movie i thought it was awful i think it's their worst movie that i've seen uh, i've seen 15 other movies so there's like still a couple of empty spots to fill in uh, hudsucker proxy miller's crossing to name a couple and Hail Caesar just did not go for me at all. And that's coming from someone who thinks Inside Lewin Davis is their best movie, with Burn After Reading and then Raising Arizona rounding out their top three. And I know a lot of people will point to Big Lebowski or No Country for Old Men, which I think are great, don't get me wrong, but I've just connected with Lewin Davis, Burn After Reading, and Raising Arizona so much more. Um, so that's just kind of an overview of top directors for me, their top movies, how many of them make it into my top 100. Um, so none of them from the Coen brothers to finish that off. Uh, you know, like I said, Nicole Holofcener is the only female in the top 30 or top 26 as the next one. (laughs) The next female on the list is Marie Perrineau who co-directed Microcosmos, and that's the only thing I've seen from her. Um, Catherine Bigelow is tied for 33rd. But, you know, you can even go down, like, then there's Celine Sciamma, who directed Tomboy. That's the only thing she's directed. So even the females that are high on the list have only directed, like, one thing. And that's really unfortunate as well. Uh, the only more prolific director, the only prolific director that really doesn't make it into the top 10 to 20 is Woody Allen, who's in 228th spot. I've seen 20 of his movies, and the biggest reason is because six, you know, he puts out so many movies, and they can't possibly all be great, even good. Um, I will say, you know, Annie Hall just barely misses making my top 100, but... Between Melinda Melinda, Matchpoint, Curse of the Jade, Scorpion, Magic in the Moonlight, Celebrity, and Irrational Man, those are all the bad movies of his I've seen. So, you know, they really do drag down his score quite significantly. Um, despite his four nominations and one win of 
which I've seen so far. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's a couple other, plenty of other directors on here. Um, big names, you know, Ridley Scott, who's just barely in the top 300. Um, you've got, uh, Barbara and Hannah, who, who directed quite a few, who directed all like the, all these small animated short films. Um, Fritz, uh, Fritz Frelling, who's also directed a lot of short films. Pez, a lot of short films. Uh, Ron Howard doesn't break the top 1,000. Uh, Cronenberg, Raimi, Lasseter, Zemeckis, Rodriguez. Uh, Don Hertzfeldt is 31st. Danny Boyle, 32nd. David O. Russell, 66th. Uh, David Fincher, 26th. Stanley Kubrick's at 22nd. I've seen eight of his movies. Spike Jones at 84th. Peter Jackson, 162. Ang Lee, 234. Um, and Ang Lee gets hurt by taking Woodstock pretty hang, pretty heavily, unfortunately. Uh, PTA at 439. Uh, John Favreau, 490. Coppola's at 463. You know, so the Wachowskis are at 756 so you know there's plenty of uh you know all the directors they're in there somewhere um but you really do need an incredibly stellar resume to be able to crack the top 20 and 20 is kind of the point where i would cut it off because you know even within the top 30 there's people who've only directed one film which isn't great but that's mostly just because you know directors can't put out as many movies as actors can you know, that's simply the case, uh, unless you're Woody Allen. And, it, you know, when you've got, you know, I've got actors where 30 is kind of, 30 is, you know, where you, the average almost, it isn't. But so many actors have hit 30 already, you know, quite a few have hit 40, and one's even hit 50. So for none of my directors to have more than 24 movies is... Uh, kind of substantial or 22 22 is the highest right so those are just a brief overview of my top directors and the movies that I've directed and how I feel about them and things like that and uh, so that's been my statistics episode for Doctor Strange as well as my top directors thank you for listening um, you can find me at circleoffilm.com or letterbox.com slash stranger, S-T-R-A-N-G-A-H. You can email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com. And have a week.